0: Well, I'm excited about what God has in store for us, man. I love uh, watching the baptisms this morning, man. I love celebrating that. Uh, in, the, in the first service, we had a couple of baptisms as well. In fact, there's this incredible thing God's God's been doing through the ladies at the valley, uh, the valley Shelter here in, in Nampa, and man, many of the ladies have given their hearts to the Lord. There's like a mini revival that's breaking out, man. I'm fired up. In fact, I had a lady, she walked in this morning, and, and she said, Pastor, give me high five. I gave her a high five, I'm like, what's that for? She said, I'm 30 days clean. This is the longest I've been clean for as long as I can remember. And I'm just <laughs> celebrating this, guys. This is what God is doing. I hear a lot of people talking about, you know you, you know, you get to a certain age, right? And you're like, you know, I'll tell you what, remember the good old days? And, you know, you go back to like when sports was good. Like, like for me, I'm still talking about Michael Jordan. Like, you remember the good old days? And you're like, Michael Jordan, like we're talking about, you know, Bill Russell or whatever. But, you know, we're always talking about the good old days. Here's what I found out. The problem with the, the good old days is you don't realize when you're actually living them. Guys, We're living the good old days right now. God is allowing us to see people's lives transformed. And, man, I'm fired up, guys. I'm ready to go, man. This is good. Hey, you know what the cool thing is? I believe the best is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come. And so, guys, I just want to say thank you to this church. Guys, I love the fact we are not the only church. Like, if you ever, if you ever are part of a church and they say that they're the only church and heaven's just gonna be that church, yeah, whatever. You just joined a cult, get out. Because we're part, we're part of the big C church, man. God is God is doing things around this world and we're just a local congregation. But I don't want to miss out on celebrating what God is doing here in this season. And so I just want to thank those of you you serve, you love, you give, you you are reaching. You're making a difference in our community, in your schools and homes. It's awesome to see how God's transforming. And so, you know, we're, we're closing out this series, and and I, I'm I'm one of these these guys, man. I, I love teaching through series, and I'm always excited about the next one coming up. I just kind of hate to, to leave one, man. It's like, oh man, I've really enjoyed this and this series through the family. I've I've enjoyed teaching this, and I'm a, I'm gonna close maybe in a. Unique way. I don't even know that I've ever taught specifically on, on this, this subject. But, but what kind of stirred this? I came across an article, uh, well, actually, an article, it was a story about uh, a Craigslist ad that went viral a few years ago. And, and, and apparently, there was a group of friends in their 20s that were going to have a barbecue, and they needed a dad to show up for the barbecue. And so they literally wrote a Craigslist ad looking for a dad. And so I think what made it go viral was their list of requirements. Like they, uh, like, like, first of all, they said, you know, you've gotta be uh, really good at the grill, like barbecue and hot dogs and hamburgers. Like, I mean, how good do you have to be for that? I mean, you just throw them on there. But they, they said, we want you to do, we want you to do that. Um, they, they also, uh, they said, we want you to refer to our friends that show up by like dad nicknames, like Big Chief, Sport. Champ and talk about dad things like lawn mowers, uh, cars, and stuff like that. They said additional requirements included a minimum of 18 years' experience as a father, 10 years' experience grilling, and a preferred name of Bill, Randy, or Dave. <laughs> I love that. The fact, the ad, like, they, they literally were looking for somebody in their community. Well, the ad just, like, took off, went viral, and, like, so, like, a TV station was interviewing them, and the guy said, yeah, we're actually kind of hoping that Bill Murray reads this and shows up, and, like, he's our dad. And so, yeah, I came across that, that, uh, it was just kind of a, a funny little news story, and, but even though I laughed when I read it, something clicked when I read that, though. The reason these guys were putting out an ad was because they didn't have a dad to show up or at least one that they thought could actually be the dad that they wanted for their friends. Now, it could be they lived in a different town or whatever the case had be. maybe they are college guys. But it just got me thinking about something. You see, I'm, I'm convinced that everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, everybody appreciates and everybody wants someone to invest in them. But the more I've, I've studied through scripture and the more I've thought about this, I'm also convinced that everybody needs someone else to invest in. And this, this little ad looking for this idea of a dad, I have a feeling that while there aren't people necessarily writing and posting a Craigslist ad, asking for someone to invest in them. I'm convinced that in this room, you're here. And I wanna talk about a word that it shows up in scripture, not so much maybe specifically the word, but it's, it's a theme that shows up throughout scripture. And it's this word, legacy. It's this word legacy. You know, Proverbs thirteen twenty two talks about the inheritance that a, a good man, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Um, we're gonna end up in 2 Timothy 2, but, I, but that, that verse, you know, that word inheritance, and, and within the context, I wanna be faithful to the context, you, you gotta understand that, that Proverbs, the, it's a father writing to a son, just passing on wisdom. And, you know, when we think of inheritance, what we pass on, many times we think of it within the, the context of, of things, material things, tangible things, things that, that can be deposited in, a, in, a, in an account, um, maybe furniture. You know, it's like, like inheritance are things that maybe people can fight over. Or maybe maybe it's like, it's like some, let's just, some people have been corrupted because of what they've been left. I'm not talking about a tangible inheritance so much, I wanna talk about the intangibles of of legacy, the passing on of of character, of of values, of of spiritual influence, it's a passing on that, that goes from generation to generation. And I want us to consider this big question, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, because this has been something that's been stirring within me, not just this week, it just maybe it's because of my the season I'm, I happen to be in as a dad or or, or even as a, as a pastor. But this question has been kicking around, and I want us to consider it this morning. What will you do with your life that will outlast your life? What will you do with your life that will outlast your life? And and the big point that that I want us to to, to think about and consider this morning is this. The great use of our life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. And I I just want to say here at the very beginning, I'm I'm convinced, guys, that the definition of success, we're all trying to many times figure out what our definition of success is going to be. And... I'm just, I want to I speak not just as a pastor, I just want to speak as a, as a dad and actually I want to speak as a, as a son and as a person that's had mentors invest in me. I'm convinced that the most significant thing that you will do with your life is invest in the life of someone else. And I want to talk about this legacy within the context of, of discipleship because all of us, are leaving a legacy. Parents, you're leaving a legacy for better or for worse. <laughs> like, like some of you are raising your kids to be Raiders fans. I'm just telling you right now. I just, like for better, I just wanted to get booed. I mean, that's just amazing. You know, I, like, I guess I could, I could have said cowboy fans. But anyway, uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. But no, but for better or for worse, we're passing things on to our kids. Grandparents, you're leaving a legacy for better or for worse. But I don't think it ends there, listen to me. Aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, I would even say employers, mentors, friends. You are leaving a legacy for better or for worse. It's fascinating to me that Jesus spent three years, think about this, he spent three years. on the, And when I say three years, it's three years of public ministry that we know of. In three years, we know that he had a number of disciples. First of all, there were thousands that showed up to hear him speak, but they weren't necessarily disciples. We do read that there are some places where there were over 100 disciples. We know that there's a place in in, in Luke that talks about him sending out 72 disciples. But then we also know that he handpicked and he, he chose 12 people that he was going to intentionally invest in. And there's, there's something that, that I, I want to think about this because when he left, he spent three years with, with these guys. And think about this. Most of the, most of the guys that, that he selected, most of them would have been in their late teens or early 20s. They were young guys. Like when you think of the disciples, if you're thinking of mature guys, they're not mature guys. So like when you see them doing stupid things, dude, just think about what you did when you were like, whatever, 18 or 19. I mean, we all do crazy things, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what we're talking about. Here's the crazy thing. After three years... What does Jesus do? He leaves his mission in the hands of these 12 guys that he's invested in. But what he did was he gave them a commission and we still have this commission. The commission that Jesus left was not just for those 12 specific guys. He actually left a mission for us. What is that great commission? To be a disciple who makes disciples, teaches disciples, and baptizes disciples. That's really what we've been called to, and when we when we think about legacy within the terms of this, within the context of discipleship, it makes sense. Because I'm going to tell you right now, as, as I'm sharing this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that the, the people who are going to get the most out of my message are followers of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that if you're, listen, if you're not following Christ and you're here, man, I love the fact that you're here, okay? First of all, love that you're here. And I want you to keep coming back, man. I just, if nothing else, you don't even have to agree with me. We'll just, we'll just love each other. It'll be great, okay? Just show up. Just show up. Because I, I know Jesus works better ways than I do. But, but here's, here's my thing. I, what I'm going to be talking about, are, are, I want to talk to, to parents, grandparents, friends, and all that sort of thing. You'll make a difference. And I'm convinced that, that this whole idea of discipleship is the best way to pass this on. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we see Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to what he calls his son in the faith. Now, I, here's what we've got to know. Like, let's of a little context. As far as we know, we have no record of Paul ever being married. If he was married, we know at least when he wrote 1 Corinthians, because based on what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, he was not married then for sure. So we, we know that at least if he was married, he, uh, he wasn't married later, as, whether his wife died, we have no evidence that he was married. Also on top of that, we have no evidence that he had children. That does not, we have, there's no, nothing verifiable about that. However, what we do know is that he had a guy that he called his spiritual son, and, and this is a guy by the name of Timothy. And, and so when we, we turn to 2 Timothy, here's what I want you to understand. It's kind of like we're reading Paul's last, last will and testament. The reason why I say this, chronologically, this is, the, uh, most scholars believe, the very last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. Shortly after he writes what we have here, he's, he's, going, to, uh, he's going to be killed uh, for his faith in Christ. He is writing this from prison, And and here is what he writes to Timothy, verse one of of chapter two here in 2 Timothy. You then, my child, there we go, this is how he views him. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Now, let me just give you the surrounding context here because I'm gonna focus on these two verses, but I, I, want to, I want us to understand the full context, okay? In chapter one, of the, uh, what we have is a chapter one, you know, like people came in later and put in chapters. Like when Paul wrote this, he didn't like chapter one. No, he just, you know, they put this in later, but he talks about in, 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 in chapter one, verse, uh, what is it, verse 14, He challenges him by the Holy Spirit to guard the good deposit entrusted in you. And and he challenges him. He's been, he's he's saying, I've given you something. You have been given something. Guard this deposit. If we continue to read through, through chapter two, he challenges him to, to, to live as a good soldier. He goes on to, to challenge him to be a, a, a workman approved by God with no reason to be ashamed. You can, it's almost like you're hearing a dad writing to a son. He's challenging his son. You know, like for instance, I called my son Trey. He's a, he's a junior in college. I, I called him yesterday and I, in the midst of our conversation, there are a few things. I'm just doing it in my dad thing. I'm, I'm challenging him to a few things. That's what we do, right? Like, like, you know, there are different seasons of being a parent. Like when they're kids, you gotta be, their coach and tell them everything to do. You get to where we are, you know, you're, you're a counselor, right? You don't tell them, everything. like, if you're telling your 20-year-old everything you need to do, you failed, okay? Like, <laughs> seriously, don't, like, give them some room to grow for cried out loud, especially if they're married. Anyway, uh, and then there comes a point where you're just a consultant. But, but he's, writing, he's writing to him, just challenging him. You keep on reading chapter three. He tells him, man, we're living in some crazy times. He says, here's what scripture is. Here, here's what you, you can expect. And then the final part of the letter, he just challenges him. and says, whatever you do, preach the word. This is what you've been called to. Go do what you've been called to. It's awesome. You read through this entire letter and, and you understand this context. You can hear the words of a father who loves his son. He's writing to his son but what we what we have here is he 's passing on something to he 's challenging him to this idea of legacy and this morning, there are three things that I want us to understand about legacy and just so you know like I, this the purpose of this message is not to outline a step by step hey, I want you to do this, this, and this when you disciple someone no i 'm not going to do that that 's now, if you, if you don't know what that looks like, where to start, text me, text Will uh, Sprunt, our directive discipleship. You can grab our cards out at the, the welcome desk. We'll, we'll do whatever we can to help you when it comes to that. I want us to just be aware of the importance Be aware of the gift we've been given to make a difference in in, in the lives, to to be part of a legacy, passing things on that will impact our families, I'm convinced, not just this generation, but for generations that follow, generation, generation, generation. This is what we're called to. And so there are three things I want us to recognize about legacy. The first one is this, I want us to recognize the value of relationship, the value of relationship. Whether, whether your relationship is, is that of a parent, a grandparent, you know, some other family member, whether it's the relationship that you have as a friend, um, if, if there's any measure of influence that you have in the life of someone else, what I see here when he writes in verse one to Timothy, you then, you, my child, I, I, I want us to understand this. You then, my child, he's writing to someone with whom he has a relationship, someone with whom he can challenge and he can, there, there's something there. I want to go back to this example of, the, of, of Jesus when he called his disciples. One, one of my favorite guys uh, in scripture is, is Simon Peter. You know, that dude, like I can identify with him, right? I mean, he, he's awesome. And so, if, you, if you'll remember... And if you're like, I don't remember that, let me take you back. When Jesus called Peter, he, he said, your name is Simon, but you're going to be called Cephas. And we're like, we have no idea what that means. Like, it does not mean anything to us. Okay, so let's understand. What he was saying is like, okay, here's been your name, like all through life, you're Simon. But now, you're gonna be Cephas, which means you are going to be called The Rock. Not like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Like, I mean, so you're like, that's pretty impressive, man. I'm like, okay, pick me. And no, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talk- he, when he says The Rock, he, what he was doing, he was actually calling him to something, and he was calling him by the name of something Peter was going to become. Now, Peter wasn't there yet. Like, you read through, through, you know, his time with Jesus. Like, the dude was like a yo-yo, man. you know, like, high, low, high, low. I mean, he's the guy that's like, hey, I'm jumping out of the boat to walk to Jesus. And then it's like, whoa, storm sink. I mean, that's, that's who he was. So, I mean, he's cool. He jumped out, and then, then you know, he had that issue. He, he's the guy that, when, when they had the transfiguration, they're on the mountain, and, and it, it literally says the scripture, Peter, not knowing what to say, spoke like that is so me like i don't know what to do is like hey uh why don't we build some tents? That's literally what he says. Let's build some tents up here, and, and it's so funny that it says he didn't know what to say, and literally everybody ignores him. Nobody responds to him I'm like that. I'm like, yeah, it's just Peter. I mean, this is who the guy is. He's the guy that like rebuked Jesus when Jesus said, "I'm going to be crucified." He's like, Lord, you shall never do this. Don't say that. And Jesus like, get behind me, Satan. I mean, so this is this is the guy. It's so cool that Jesus did not call him by his name, and he didn't call him, and title him according to who he was when he was called. He called him by who he was going to become. You're gonna be the rock, and what do we see in Acts chapter two? Just 50 days after Peter has denied that he's a disciple of Christ, and he's gone through the crushing disappointment of this, of all people that God... Decides to use to be the rock, the cornerstone of the church. It's this guy called Peter who, on Acts chapter 2, preaches the message. The first message, nearly 3,000 people are saved because of his message. I'm like, come on, dude, that isn't what I'm talking about. But there's something powerful because, in the value of a relationship, you see for your kids, hopefully, not who they are now. Because, like, right now, like, you're, like, when your kids are at certain levels, you're like, yeah, I get it. I get why some animals eat their young. Like I, I'm just, I'm about done with this. We go through those seasons, that is real. Like there are days you won't kill your kids, right? But, but what we do on hopefully most days is that we're seeing not who they are now, but who they can be, who God is calling them to be. This, this is awesome. You see, to leave Alexa, we value we, we understand the value of relationship. I, I had a college student, they don't attend here, our church, they, they just called me up and asked if they could interview me for, uh, for a project they were doing, and it was on the topic of servant leadership. Great, man, they had some incredible questions, but one of the questions that they asked me, they said, who are some of those people that you have looked up to and that you've tried to emulate across the years when it comes to, to pastoring? And my mind, it didn't go to like all these celebrity people. Like all all of you guys, I should say all of you, a lot of you have like your favorite pastors or religiously of the podcast. You have your favorite, like, you know, like in 1 Corinthians where it's like, you know, I'm the follower of Apollos or I'm the follower of Cephas or I'm the follower of Paul. you like, I'm the follower of of, uh, David Jeremiah or Craig Groeschel or whoever the, the hot guy. You know, it wasn't anything like that. Dude, you know what I thought of? I thought of the guys that invested in me personally. I thought of a guy by the name of Mark Mowry who was my pastor literally for years until I left for college. The guy who, when I was blowing my life, put his arm around me and he said, Keith, I just want you to know, God's got a bigger plan for your life. What you're going through right now, this is not define you. God's got something bigger for you. I'll never forget that conversation that he had with me. I'll never forget the grace that he gave me time and time again when I know that I was causing him grief. He never gave up on me. I'll never forget that the youth pastor that, that when I was literally blowing up my life, I was, I was messing up my life, called me in. And he had a conversation like nobody had ever had with me and Monty Statler looked me in the face and he told me things I did not want to hear, but every single thing that he told me was true. And while I did not give my heart to Christ that night, I, I I could not get away from the love that He had to speak boldly into my life and he loved me enough to speak the truth. I thought about a guy by the name of Mike Avery that was my college president that gave me my first chance after I graduated from college to have a ministry position. This guy, man, I, I think back in the moment I didn't get it, but now looking back, I'm like, what was he doing? He, he hired me for a job I did, I'd never done before. Then he just gave me opportunities. He would bring me into meetings I should have never been in. And, and with all of these other, people, he would ask me my opinion. And I'm talking, I'm looking back, I'm like, what was my issue? But no, he, he did this because he saw my potential. He invested in me. He gave me opportunities. What he was doing was he had been given something that he was passing on to me there was a relationship and because of, of just those names and there are many others that I mentioned to the person who's interviewing me, I am where I am today. I am doing what I am. God uses ordinary people like you and me to pass on a legacy to someone else. You see, Jesus, when he left to go back to heaven, left his mission in the hands of these young kids that he'd spent three, three years with and he calls us to do the very same thing. But you see, legacy is more than just recognizing the value of relationship, it's also recognizing the deposit of a sacred trust. And I wanna go back to what what I uh, read from chapter one. This is where the Apostle Paul is talking to his son in the faith and and he says, in other words, don't despise or look down on what has been invested in you. Don't, don't look down on what you have received. I've, you have received something of great value, thanks to Christ, thanks to the Holy Spirit. But then, also, he, he speaks to, to this, what you have heard from me. And there's something here, when he says what you have heard from me, there's, there's this, what we know is, is Timothy has received from the Apostle Paul, but then he's challenging him. He said, what I've given you is not just for you alone. I'm challenging you now to entrust that to someone else. Legacy is never about somebody receiving a legacy and then you're, you're, it's just the end. It ends with you. It's meant, especially within a spiritual context, within a biblical context, to be passed on to someone else. This entrust, it's a transmitting from, from one person to another two important things. There are two important components of discipleship. Number one's instruction. Number one's instruction. Number two is imitation. And when I say imitation, I'm not talking about like where it's a knockoff of something. I'm talking about when someone becomes an imitator of something else. Like there's a difference between a knockoff and and the you know for instance you know following the real thing passing on the like um, well like we got a picture here like sweet and low dude if I'm gonna if I have sweet give me sugar I, I, let I, that's, that's fake I don't want that like some of you are like oh no you need to ha-. no I don't I don't want it uh, margarine like seriously I don't want like like some people come up to me like oh man I prefer margarine are you serious give me butter I just want some butter come on dairy people where are you you're with me you know what I'm talking about okay right now i'm gonna tell you my mom my mom used to try the whole knockoff thing you know what i'm saying like she would go to the budget place wherever that happens to be buy the knockoff cereal hide the box she would pour the cereal, slide it in. I would take one bite, I was like, mom, this isn't Fruit Loops. Like, Fruity Hoops is not Fruit Loops. I can tell the difference. That's a cheap imitation of the real thing. But I think the classic is gonna be this next picture, right there. If I want a soda, give me Coke. I don't need Pepsi. You know what I'm saying? Give me the real thing. Give me the real thing. Big difference between and imitation, the real thing. When I'm talking about the, 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 this whole thing of being an imitator, I, I, I have in mind this, this great challenge that, that, that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, where he, it almost sounds arrogant when he says, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. You're like, man, that just sounds really arrogant, like, hey, follow me. No, listen, listen to the context. He qualifies it. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. He puts that qualification. Like, like if you see something in me that is not of Christ, don't follow me. I've told my son that. You know, I've been I, I try to be very intentional with my with my kids, with Trey, Cass, and and Cole. I, I want to invest in them, but I, I tell them like, here's what I'm challenging you to, and I want you to to look at my life. Let's figure out how to do this. I said, but if you see something that is not godly, don't don't take that. And Can I just, I'm gonna pause. This doesn't have anything to do with anything. (laughs) This is why it's really important to say I'm sorry and to apologize. Parents, grandparents, mentors, whoever has influence in the life of somebody else, if you don't have the ability to say I was wrong, you're actually passing on a terrible legacy. One of the greatest things as part of legacy is having the humility to just put the brakes on and say, dude, I just blew it. Like, I remember, <laughs> this is terrible, I, I'll, okay, I'm gonna share, it. Um, I, I was, like, I'm a big college basketball fan, okay? Like, I went to Indiana University for a couple of years, I'm a huge IU fan, and like, this was back in, I don't know, 2011 or something like that, we actually had a decent team, it's like, we're usually terrible. But um, we, we actually had a decent team and we had made it to the playoffs. We, we were like a number one seed and we got knocked off by Syracuse. And I still remember watching the game and I was getting so frustrated and we had, on, uh, the whole family's in there, were watching the game, we got the table and I'm, and on, on the table in front of us, there was a DVD and I don't even remember why it was there. I just remember, I wouldn't even think and I was frustrated, I'm like, man, crazy. T-. And I like busted the DVD, I didn't even mean to. And, and I hit the table and I remember like, and like, I think even like Cass started crying or whatever. And I'm like, and I sit there and I'm like, and the whole time I'm like, dude, I'm a, a terrible, terrible parent. Like I am the worst. And I, so I'm like, so I'm like watching and, and trying to argue like, well, I'm just, I'm just caught up in the game. And, and God's like pinging me big time. I'm like, no, I don't want, and then finally I'm like, come here kids. Like they'd all ran. And so I, 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 brought, I brought them together and I'm like, hey, listen, man, what you just saw there, that was like really jacked up. And that, yeah, I was caught up in the game, but that's not an excuse. What, what you saw is not good. And I hate to admit this, but the reality is, I've had to do that like a lot, a lot with my kids. And, and, I, and listen, I'm not patting myself on the back because I've probably, I've probably blown into times I should have apologized and didn't. I just want to say there's something powerful, though, when we it's not just, we guard this trust. We, we understand that what we've been given we have to pass on, but the, the best way to pass this on is to to be, to be humbly do this. And what it does, it challenges us to to a higher standard. It challenges us not to be an imitation of being a follower of Christ. Can I tell you, that's a, that's a terrible thing for us to pass on. That Because that, people that know us, they watch our lives. That, yeah, I can talk a good game, but let's be honest, man. I, I yeah, dad's really spiritual when he gets to church and he's talking to the pastor or talking to the ministry leader, but when he gets home, he's a totally different person. That I, I honestly would just rather just to say, dude, I, I don't have anything than to do that. Be real, be, be real. Don't settle for an imitation. L- listen, we're called to be followers of Christ. We're not gonna be perfect. Are you gonna blow it? yes. I'm going to blow, we're going to blow it as parents, as spouses, as grandparents. Uh, there are going to be things that we do that, that, that are, are terrible and can hurt other people. Let's acknowledge that, deal with this. But, but guys, let's understand that we've been given a sacred deposit, that we have the privilege of, of investing in someone else. We have a legacy to pass on, not just in the life we live, not just in the instruction that we're given, but I would even say from a spiritual standpoint, one of the most significant things that happened to me was several years ago when, when Lowell Foster, many of you know Lowell, he started this church in, in 1976 and still attends here. And, and Lowell Foster, his wife was still alive at the time, he called me and said, could I, could Noel and I stop by your house? I want to talk to you. Sure. He comes in, we sit down, and uh, we're just kind of shooting the breeze. And he said, well, he said, let me tell you the reason why I'm here today. He said, when you first came to be pastor at Grace Bible Church, he said, I'll be honest, I didn't know that whether or not you were the right guy for the job. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I didn't either. And and, and so, he, and, and he said, it's just because you didn't have any experience, and 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 he said, I want to apologize for that. I'm like, you don't need to apologize for that. Like, I was having the same doubts you were, right? And, and, and he said, no, he said, he said, what I've learned is, he said, since I've been here, he said, I've... God, has, God has, has used you, and, and they said, I just wanted to thank you for the investment you've made in my life, which is such a humbling thing because Lowell Foster's been one of those guys that's been a hero to me, his, his faithfulness, what, who he was, the life, and how he lived it. But he went on to say this, and, and this was so powerful. He said, when I was a young guy starting off in ministry, he said, there was someone who invested in me, and he mentioned the name of the pastor who pastored in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he said, this is a great guy that I looked up to. And for some reason, this guy noticed, and he said, I was a hick from Nebraska. And he said, he took me under his wing. He invested in me. He, he taught me how to, how to preach, how to study the word of God. And he said, literally, he was my hero. And he said, my mentor, when he died, gave me three Bibles, And it was his his teaching Bibles. And he said, it was the most, he said it was probably the most valuable thing I've ever received in ministry. And his eyes filled with tears. And he said, Keith, he said, my years of ministry are pretty well over outside of just praying for people. And he pulled out this Bible and he said, I wanna pass on what little mantle I have to you. And he said, I want you to take what I was given. man. I'm gonna tell you guys, that was one of the most humbling moments for me to, to receive this. I think we were both crying like little babies. And I thumbed through this so many different times, read these notes. After he left, man, I, I sat there and, man, I just, thought about the people that invested in me. And I take this Bible, this Bible sits on the shelf where I keep all of my study resources. And I, I, I keep it there just every time that I pull down something off the shelf, I want to be able to see this, to remember that someone invested in Lowell. Lowell invested in me and I've been given a legacy to pass on to someone else. And there's coming a day I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm going to pass this Bible on to someone else. I say this as an example, as parents and as grandparents, we have something to pass on to the next generation. We have to quit thinking about living for the here and the now. What are we living for in this life that will outlast this life? You see, we recognize the value of relationship, the deposit of a sacred ch- trust. But I would also say this, lastly, we recognize the power of reproduction. Because what he says is he, he challenges, the Apostle Paul challenges him, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And there's something powerful to a, to a generational approach to legacy, in which we don't think of legacy just in handing off to the next generation, but we think of legacy as something that is intended to go on from generation to generation. To this day, when I'm talking to my sons, or I'm talking to my daughter, I'm investing in them. I want to be intentional to invest in them. I challenge them to pass this on to somebody else. My son's an RA. We've talked several times this year about, you know, this is his first time being an a RA at a college. He's like, man, he said, there's some crazy things you gotta deal with. I'm like, yeah, it's true. I said, but man, we've walked this road and what you've learned, invest in them, and challenge them to invest in somebody else. It's the power of reproduction. It's so interesting that Jesus' plan, Jesus' mission was left to be carried out generationally to people like you and me. And you and I are standing here because men and women were faithful to pass the torch. We would not, the gospel wouldn't have gone anywhere if the disciples would have sat on their butts and said, yeah, we had a good three-year run. Now let's move on to whatever we're gonna do. We wouldn't be here. But that's not what happened. And across the centuries, ordinary men and women have passed this on from generation to generation, and I don't know how to say it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna speak it bluntly. I guess faithful men and women in these days are in short supply. We're living a day and age that there's a, the, it's marked by lack of commitment. We want the easy, easy way. We actually want the comfortable way. And and can, when I and the reason I'm using the word we, I fall into this trap. I fall into this trap myself. Investment, discipleship, this idea of generational legacy is not the easy route, okay? It will cost you something. It raises the bar. It makes you uncomfortable because there are, it demands a relationship. Listen to me. Just as you, the, the, the reason you are where you are is because somebody was faithful to either preach the word, speak the word, or influence you with their life. There's somebody else that needs you to be that same hero to them. And I will say this, there is no qualification when it comes to this idea of leaving a legacy for the child of God. The great commission was given to us all. There is no qualification. It's only for those with a certain personality. Can I tell you, we've got to get out of our minds that, that what discipleship looks like is having a big stage or having a loud voice or having some degree or something like that, it's literally passing on what you've learned from somebody else. We've got to do this. The next generation needs this. And I'm convinced we're, we're going to kick off a new series next week. It's called "Urgent." And we got three messages that, that we're going to be bringing, and they're going to be the three messages that I would preach if I knew that I'd never have the chance to talk to a person again. And I've been thinking about this. Over the last month, two months, I've lost so many friends. Friends that I went to college with, died of COVID. But man, in the last three weeks, I've lost 10 or 11 really good friends. It's been devastating. It's hard. And I, I know, I'm sharing this, you, guys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You guys have been there too. We're not assured of tomorrow. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, and so we're we're just gonna gonna talk about this, but I'm convinced that what we put off till tomorrow is probably what we need to be talking about today. We're not assured of tomorrow. Let's start passing this on now. Man, we have a million excuses why we can't do this, right? Like age, I'm too old. Man, I'll, I'll never forget, lady, one of the greatest ladies I've had the chance of being a pastor was named Shirley Caldwell. I love Shirley Caldwell. And she raised her own family, did invested in her own kids, her own grandkids. She's a great example. One of the most celebratory, joyous funerals I've ever preached was her funeral just because everybody had a Shirley story about how she invested in them. And one of those stories was my son. She they had some program where they, they matched a A kid to an adult, and she said, I'm going to pray for a kid, and and she just chose out of a hat and happened to choose my son's name. And every single Sunday that she was here, she would find my son. She'd say, Trey, I just want you to know, I'm praying for you. How can I pray for you? And I want you to know, God's got a plan for your life. Every single Sunday. When I, my son had gone to college when she passed, and when I called Trey and told him, he said, Dad, he said, it's the weirdest thing. He said, I've always known for the last five, six years if there was nobody else praying for me, I knew that Shirley was praying for me. And he said, the, the thought that there's somebody, that, that, that somebody's not praying for me, he said, man, I, that's something powerful. I just told Trey, I said, be Shirley to somebody else. We can make excuses. Maybe it's, you don't know my life. Man, I don't even have a relationship with my kids or my grandkids. I've screwed up. I don't have the right to speak into life. Can I tell you if God's changed you? That still might be the case. God saves us from our sin. He doesn't always deliver us immediately from our consequences. Maybe you don't have that ability. Just, just because you can't invest in your own kids because of your circumstances doesn't mean you can't invest in somebody else's kid. There is a legacy that we have to pass on. The question is, will, be, will we be faithful to do this? Several years ago, uh, there was an interview that Pastor Rick Warren did with Fox News, and I, some of you might know rick Warren. The pastor pastor 's a uh, saddleback he wrote driven well, purpose driven life and I think it was after the book had come out and they were asking him a lot of different questions about this and, and one of the questions that kept coming back to was because he was he was starting this ministry which i 'm very familiar with in fact a lot of my friends are part of this, in which he he trains pastors in a lot of different countries that third world countries they just invest in them, and they said why are you doing this? There's no return on an investment here. You're, you're sinking millions into something. There's never gonna be a return on this. Why are you doing this? And, and, and the question they kept coming back to, they're like, do you really think you can make a difference? And, and it, I don't even know that, I don't think the hosts were so much being sarcastic. It was just a legitimate question. Do you think one person can really make a difference? And finally, I, 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 he didn't really get I think it was just he was tired of the thing keep coming up and he, he responded. He said, I don't know. He said, he said I'm gonna tell you. He said, here's what I want written on my, to, my tombstone. At least he tried. And I thought, you know, and that, that just resonated with me. At least he tried. We're not gonna know till we get to heaven the difference that our lives have made. Uh, can I just say this? You're not gonna know probably till years later the this crazy investment you're making in your kids and your grandkids today, you might even pass from this life to the next and never know how that has dramatically impacted those people. But can I tell you, it is making an impact. You are leaving a legacy. My question is, are we doing this unconsciously or consciously? What are we living for in this life that will outlast this life? And so I want to take a very tangible next step as we as we leave here. Because it's, it's easy for me to preach this message and, and, and here's the thing, man, I, I'm just, if all I'm doing is saying how air, here's what I know, like, like two days later, if I interview and say, hey, what did I talk about? Like some of you are like, most of you are like, I don't know, like probably you ask me next week, man, what were your main points? Like, man, I don't know. So I get that, right? Okay, so like things come in, things, things lead. It's information plus application that equals transformation. So, I want us to, to apply this. There, there, are, there are those of you that you need somebody to invest in you. If nothing else, maybe you've never had somebody that you knew was praying for you every single day. Maybe you have a kid or a teenager or something like that and you want somebody to pray for them. We're actually going to do something. I want, I want you to pull out your phone. We've got something we're going to throw up on the, the screen here. And if you want somebody to either pray for you or pray for your kid. There's gonna be a form that comes up. I want you to text the number 4ME to the number there on the screen and, and, and we're gonna follow up with you. And here's what I, every single person, if you don't know if a single person is praying for you, if you will text 4ME to that, for me, to that number, I promise you, you're gonna have somebody that's gonna be praying for you every single day. And we're gonna start there because we've gotta be prayed for. We've gotta be invested in before we pass on to somebody else. But there's, there's another thing. The, the next slide is, is for those of you that are willing to do this for somebody else. And this is if you're willing to pray. You're like, I, I will pray for somebody else. I want you to text the word pray to the same number, okay? And, and th- this is just a way to get in the game. And what we're going to do, we're going to follow up with you. We're going to connect you to, to a person. And, 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 and there is no requirement. You, when you do this, all you're, all you're committing to is praying for this person. Okay, the only thing we'll probably do is we're gonna make sure that the other person knows who's praying for them. And this is just gonna be a way that, that we can get in the game. It, it's, it's, man, we can leave here like, oh, that's great, let's pass on a legacy. But we actually need to do this. And so, so you want somebody to pray for you? For me, to the number. You want to, if you're willing to pray for somebody else, text pray to the number. I'm convinced that what God will do as we live out this thing, as we take and we guard the sacred deposit we've been given, and then we carefully and intentionally pass this on to somebody else, what God will do is the fruit that we need. It's the fruit that we're looking for. And so, Father, as we leave here today, I'm praying that what I've talked about, this passion that I have deep inside of me is not just, is not just more words and more hot air and just another message But God, it is something that will will challenge us. Wake us up to the potential that we have. Wake us up to the calling that we have. Wake us up to the opportunity that we have of passing on a legacy to faithful men and women who will then entrust it To another generation. And for what you will do in and through your people as we walk in obedience, we embrace the calling that you've given us to unite people with Jesus and help them take the next steps. And Father, as we walk humbly with you, God, I want to thank you in advance for the fruit we're going to see, believing that as we walk in obedience, the best is yet to come. So God, use your people as we walk in obedience. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, you guys are awesome. Thanks for being here today. Don't forget, if you're interested in signing up for Trunk or Treat, whether that's volunteering or whatever, stop by the table in the back. Great to have you. We'll see you next Sunday.